Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. But let's get into it off the top. I mean, this is a really pivotal moment, I think, right now for Canada, for Canada's energy sector, uh, and for the whole debate around environmental policy. Can Canada be a leader in both? Certainly the current Liberal government believes that we can do that. Uh, They're moving ahead, of course, with carbon pricing starting next year, and uh, they've certainly supported some big energy infrastructure projects like the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. They also are supportive, of course, uh, of Keystone XL. South of the border, obviously very interesting things happening. We've got a U.S. president who has moved away from some of that global consensus on environmental policy, pulling out of the Paris Accord, uh, and obviously pledging its support to Keystone XL. So where, where where does Canada fit in? Can Canada be a leader and say, look, this is, this is the way to balance all of these things, that we can develop our energy and do so responsibly, uh, and we can serve as an example to the rest of the world? Because demand's not going away anytime soon. And if not Canada, then who? Who's going to fill that void? So a lot of big questions, and I want to explore this uh, with our two guests joining us in studio. Is Cody Battershill. He is founder and spokesperson for Canada Action, canadaaction.ca. Find them on Facebook as well, Oil Sands Action. Cody, great to have you with us here. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me in. Uh, we got also uh, with us today, joining us on the phone, is uh, Peter McCartney. He is climate campaigner with Wilderness Committee. Peter, great to talk to you. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, why don't we start with you, Peter, because uh, obviously there have been a couple of interesting developments uh, as of, well, fairly recently. Of course, just last week, the uh, announcement about the uh, Petronas LNG facility in B.C., but of course, we've got the federal government pledging its support uh, to Trans Mountain. These are projects that, that your group opposes. Absolutely. Um, we know that with the reality of climate change staring us in the face every day, especially as uh, smoke hangs in the skies over Calgary, that it's the urgency of the climate crisis is too great to continue to um, dig fossil fuels out of the ground and export them around the world. But I, just We'll get Cody in here, but I, how much of a difference will it make if we block these projects, we block these pipelines. Is that going to save the climate? Well, to put it uh, in really frank terms, the National Energy Board is forecasting tar sands production to double to 4.8 million barrels a day by 2040. And in order to meet the Paris Agreement, uh, the commitments and uh, the, the world have got together and made to a two-degree world and limiting global warming to above two degrees Celsius, the tar sands have to be completely phased out by 2040, and that's based on research um, looking at the economic viability and geographic distribution of which oil and gas assets are left to be left in the ground. So uh, Canada's kind of faced with the unfortunate reality that uh, our oil is some of the most expensive, um, some of the highest polluting, and we need to start looking at how are we going to function in a low-carbon economy and what uh, what will our economy look like in 2040 when we have to be off of fossil fuels? Okay. Well, Cody, I mean, is it, is it either or? 
as you see it? It's it's not either or. And, you know, Canada has had a spotlight shone on it by groups uh, like the one that Peter works for, as, as well as others connected to the Tar Sands campaign. And, you know, Peter seems to be suggesting that Canada should just simply throw in the towel and quit uh, the production of oil and gas. And at the same time, what are we going to be left with? These groups don't oppose or protest or even really comment on oil imports to Canada from countries like Saudi Arabia. And it's important to note that, uh, you know, on Trans Mountain and on the West Coast, there's Saudi oil tankers on the West Coast, and there are hundreds of millions of barrels transiting the West Coast in oil tankers every year. And these groups seem content to attack Canada with a lot of fear and misinformation, in my opinion. Looking at the facts uh, on Trans Mountain, the pipeline, the existing pipeline has operated since the 1950s. There has not been the type of catastrophe that they are telling us is guaranteed to happen. And when we look at the, this question of either or, Canada right now today is a leader in producing oil and gas to the highest environmental and worker safety standards on earth. We are also a leader in clean tech. We're ranked number four in the world. We've been consistently ranked ahead of many of the world's larger co- countries like India in clean tech and renewable energy investment. We're seventh in the world for wind capacity, 14th for solar, second for hydro. We're the only supplier of oil to the U.S. with carbon regs since 2007. And I completely reject this false notion that Canada Canada should sacrifice our fair trade oil and gas production that's done, again, to the highest standards and give this market share to these other less regulated countries. So, Peter, you don't put much stock then in in the environmental policy that the Alberta government has put in place or that the federal government has forthcoming starting next year? Well, to be honest, I mean, the environmental policy that both the federal and the provincial governments have proposed would have been a great climate policy 30 years ago. But the truth is that we have gotten so far down into this climate crisis um, when the reality is staring us in the face and we don't have time to have this gradual um, drawdown of an industry that uh, continues to expand the tar sands and then in puts the problem off for decades to come. What we need is to really look at this in the face and when you're in a hole, you have to stop digging. And the truth is that the climate crisis is to the point now where alarm bells are ringing all over the world. Arctic ice is at its lowest extent over and over again each year. The wildfires are already um, wreaking havoc here in British Columbia. Uh, I remember back in Calgary, I was living in Calgary in 2013 when the flood came through and caused $5 billion worth of damages. The economic costs of climate change are already skyrocketing, and we need to prevent putting more of this polluting greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. Well, you know, maybe Rob and and Peter, we could, you know, let's talk about the facts that are staring us in the face on climate change. Because if we look at Canada's total contribution to global greenhouse gas emissions, we're talking about 1.6%. It's been called the rounding error. It's been uh, actually um, Andrew Weaver, before he was elected as uh, the head of the Green Party, he released a paper that essentially said that uh, the oil sands was uh, negligible to the world's uh, carbon diet or meeting carbon goals. And um, I think when we again look at the facts Peter is saying that we need to shut down the Canadian oil and gas sector even though we've already shown leadership in carbon regulations, carbon taxes renewable energy investment what about Canadian families? We've got more than 2 million Canadians that work in our natural resource sector why would would Peter and Peter's employer here want 
Canada to have to buy more oil and gas from countries that have no carbon regs. Canada's a leader around the world. And when you look at the marketing materials being put out by the, this wilderness committee saying um, things like, uh, you know, talking again about the, the oil sands mining misinformation, the water misinformation, the climate misinformation. What we're saying at Canada Action is that we need to have a balanced conversation. Oil and gas demand is growing. And around the world right now, 2017, more than 130,000 kilometers of pipelines planned or under construction. Why are these groups only attacking Canada? And why are we not talking about the facts and not having a balanced conversation? Well, that's an interesting point, though, Peter, isn't it? Because, I mean, you're talking about some pretty dramatic intervention on the supply side, at least just in a Canadian context. But we've, we've got the whole broader issue of global demand, and, and somebody else is going to fill that demand, aren't they? Well, let's be clear about exactly who the oil in this pipeline is for. It is 100% for export. It's got nothing to do with the oil that Canadians are putting in their cars every day. Uh, in terms of who would be using this oil coming through, this is a, the lifetime of a pipeline is 50 years down the road. And by building new fossil fuel infrastructure, we're locking ourselves in to decades more of polluting. When I actually completely reject the idea that um, that global demand for oil will continue increasing, even, and it's not just me, I know as an environmentalist, um, you know, that may not carry a lot of weight, but the CEO of Shell is already talking about peak oil demand in the next 5 to 15 years. These are not environmental groups that are talking about this stuff anymore. It's leading economists and banking figures saying that this industry does not have a future. And Albertan families and Canadian families that do depend on the resource industry, um, including my own family, I'm from Alberta. I had three aunts that were laid off in the most recent, uh, most recent crisis, and my cousin still works for Suncor. So I, I know exactly what Albertans are going through right now. But the truth is that a new pipeline isn't going to help them, and that continuing to grasp onto this fossil fuel industry that doesn't have a future is not the way that we're going to build an economy. We have to start understanding what we're going to do afterwards. So you want to protect these companies from making bad investments? I I don't think that's your objective here. Well, I think that we should protect our country from making bad investments. Well, okay. We're we're looking down the the barrel of... um, We're looking down the barrel of... A climate crisis and if we continue to foster the fossil fuel industry then that means that the climate crisis will continue unabated so we don't think we should bet um on black right as the whole world is turning red okay and they're, all right they're but, changing off of fossil fuel cody and you you've made the point that th- there is still a demand wherever demand's going to go in 20 30 40 years okay sure that's a different question but you know where, where does Canada fit in, as you see it right now? Well, we produce the cleanest, greenest, most fair trade oil on earth, and we should be proud of that. In Norway, they recently had an article on their newspaper that said oil demand will continue to be growing and will continue to be uh, oil will continue to be important for many decades. This is good for Norway, and we should be proud of the way we do things and what we produce here, made in Canada. So, you know, in fifty years, if we're not going to be using oil anymore, Canada should be the last producer out of the pool. If you care about peace, progress, and prosperity, social justice, equality, freedom, environmental transparency, and innovation, our oil and gas sector is getting to the point where we. We are competing in a low-cost environment with the most innovative, progressive, low-carbon barrels coming out of some of our new projects in our technology research and development. We have a lot to be proud of, and I just think that this narrative that it's all bad for Canada, we need to reject Canada, no more Canada, the real winner, 
of opposing Canadian pipelines is countries like Venezuela and other oil producers that are continuing to build oil pipelines, oil tanker export facilities, and increasing their production. And that is a negative for the world. Peter's going to disagree, but when you look at the big picture and you really look at Canada's record of leadership and innovation, ingenuity, and the Canadian families that benefit, our, our whole country benefits from our natural resource sector, we have a lot to be proud of, and we need to have a balanced conversation. Yeah, I mean, isn't that the reality in the short term, though, Peter? I absolutely don't think so. Uh, we can see that uh, electric cars are coming at a massive rate. The places that we want to sell our oil to. India wants to have 100% electric vehicle sales in 2030. China wants to have 20% electric vehicle sales in 2030. And again, our oil is kind of the one that uh, that is expensive. It's great to say that we should be the last one out of the gates and that um, if the world's only producing 5 million barrels, then it should be us. But how are you going to force the markets to buy our oil at a more expensive rate than they can get at other places? Okay. Um, well, okay, but... By definition, they won't. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I mean, you know, as you mentioned, your group's also opposed to, to the LNG projects in BC. What's going to generate all of this electricity then? Renewable energy. Renewable energy has massively expanded over the past few years, backed up by battery storage, which is, expect, which is expected to increase 50-fold in the next decade. The truth is we already have the technology to make this transition to renewables, but the thing that's holding us back is political will, and that's what our groups are trying to create. So I would just jump in quickly, Rob, and say, you know, um, my life, Peter's life, everyone's lives today are still powered by oil and gas. Mm -hmm. And we support renewable energy. Canada's a leader in renewable energy. But we have not been giving Canada credit where credit's due, and this is in part to the... Um, rantings of uh, certain marketing materials pushed by groups like Wilderness Committee. Unfortunately, I have to call a spade a spade. We have to call it out. It is not okay for, for employees and employers and groups and, and lobbyists and, and protest groups to be misinforming the public and spreading fear and misinformation. The world today is consuming 97 million barrels. And if you ask anyone, Bloomberg, IEA, OPEC, the EIA, the World Bank, oil demand wow. is continuing to rise. And we have to replace oil that we're losing every year to the natural declines that exist within current oil production. So again, Peter is saying no Canada, more OPEC. And I reject that because we have better environmental standards, better worker safety standards. And if Peter is really concerned about climate change, he would be supporting Canada, the world leader in carbon regulations, carbon taxation, innovation and ingenuity in reducing the greenhouse gas emissions of our oil production. So again, I reject this false notion that we don't need Canada. Look at the recent international ranking and poll that showed that around the world, Canada was the number one preferred supplier because we are safe, reliable, fair, free, open, and democratic, and we have transparency in everything that we do. You want to respond to that, Peter? Absolutely. Canada is the fifth largest producer of oil in the world, and our oil has been rejected by countries like the EU, um, state organizations like the EU, for the fact that it has this high carbon fuel content. And so I think... When I think about uh, what kind of Canada I want and the Canada that I want to be proud of, it's not one that is shipping this stuff all over the world. We stopped selling asbestos when we knew the harm that it was doing to people around the world. We know the harm that oil is causing around the world right now. And for the moment, people are using oil. But building a pipeline with a life supply of 50 years when we know that the world cannot be consuming this much oil in 50 years, is an irresponsible thing to do. 
It's irresponsible for the Canadian families that are relying on our continued prosperity, and it's irresponsible for the people around the world here and around the world, that are already facing the impacts of climate change. There's a question here, and I'll ask you, Peter, and I'll I'll get Cody to to weigh in as well, because you're talking about infrastructure to move this project, and I think in the meantime, uh, if there's still a demand for it, it becomes a question, well, how are we going to move it? If not by pipeline, then probably by rail. Don't we run uh, the risk of, of incident there if we're going to block these pipelines? Well, we know that oil by rail peaked in 2014 and has collapsed since then to the point where there's only one company moving oil by rail through British Columbia. Nobody is greenlighting a new tar sands mine based on the idea that they're going to ship this oil by rail. It's a poor stopgap measure that is not going to equip companies um, with the prices they need to sell this stuff. But when you build a pipeline, that investment has already been made and companies can continue to sell oil at a loss just to try and recuperate the initial capital investments of these massive infrastructure projects. So that's where we're really looking into the next couple decades is if they build this pipeline and oil is not even uh, well-priced enough and the demand goes down enough that it doesn't make sense for them to produce anymore. We're going to see producers selling it at a loss, as they have in the last few years, okay. in well, order to continue I guess their it's, it's their money. Back. But and, and Cody, you'd made this point. I mean, the, the comparative safety of pipelines versus this, these other ways of moving the product. Yeah, pipelines are the safest way to transport uh, liquid fuels, such as oil and, and gas. And um, when, we, when we look at the safety record, when we look at our world-leading regulatory system, when we look at the, the years and years and years that have gone into these regulatory reviews, as our Prime Minister said, there's not a country on earth that would have 168 billion barrels of oil and leave it in the ground. And what Peter is suggesting is that Canada sacrifices, the environment sacrifices, and Canadian families sacrifice so that other oil producers can grow their market share. Wilderness Committee does not oppose oil imports to Canada from OPEC. They do not oppose oil imports to North America from OPEC. If this was really about the environment, we would be having a big picture discussion, looking at all the facts, rather than focusing in on pipelines, Canadian pipelines made in Canada resources like Trans Mountain, which, by the way, have a lot of support from First Nations, a broad support, a broad range of support from all levels of government, including the Prime Minister and the federal Liberals. And we need to look at the facts on this. We need to stop this could be, should be, might be 25-year forecast that is not scientific in any way, that is giving our resource production market share and the funding for our quality of life in this country to these other producers that have no regard for our values or our environmental standards. All right. Guys, we've got to leave it there. It's been a real fascinating chat. Wildernesscommittee.org, also CanadaAction.ca. Peter Cody, thanks so much for joining us here today. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. All right. Peter McCartney is climate campaigner with Wilderness Committee and Cody Battershill's founder and spokesperson of Canada Action. Your reaction, 403-974-TALK. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.